Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. This is your host, David McKaig Jr., and this is a Strike Zone and Top Shelf Edition combined, starting off with Strike Zone right off the hop here. And this is Strike Zone Season 2, and this is Episode 2, getting into this early season. Let's bring in the co-host of Strike Zone, the one and only Connor Henderson, my friend. How's it going? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm glad uh, they were able to connect for another edition. And as planned, another edition that we did promise within 10 days. And guess what? We did that. So I know uh, we have a lot to talk about here. We're going to get into Miggy. We're going to get into the Jays. We're going to get into the Athletics. We're going to get into the Reds. we got some great content coming for you today from the baseball side. And then with hockey, it's going to be just me, solo me. And I'm just going to go on a rant. That's exactly what it's going to be. And not a bad rant about any teams. Just going to go all over the map with it. So a lot of great content here coming. Just make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on the Game Sports Show platforms. And now, of course, the TGM Network on social media. Connor, let's get right into it. Miggy. Mr. 3000, okay, which is a great movie, by the way, with Bernie Mac, okay, one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, no, no, I lied. It's not one of my most favorite movies of all time. I don't even know if it's in my top 100. But in terms of sports movies, one of my favorite movies. But again, Miggy gets 3000, well-deserved. And it happened last night. It happened at home. The Yankees didn't let it happen, okay? The Yankees were uh, walking them. They were afraid to get them that 3000. And then guess what? The Rockies let it happen yesterday on a shellacking by the Tigers over the Rockies. And how great is it to see Miggy, you as a Tigers fan in particular, to see him hit 3,000? Yeah, it's truly special. I remember um, it was one of the coolest things ever was before my grandfather passed away, we both got to witness Miguel Cabrera win the Triple Crown. And, uh, you know, it was in like a month of, of my grandfather's passing. And it's so interesting now, uh, roughly 10 years later, to see him cross this threshold that very, very few people have ever been able to accomplish uh, in their baseball careers. 3,000 hits and, you know, five home, 500 home runs uh, to, to couple that. Apparently, there's only six other people who've done both. So it's not just about hitting for power. It's hitting for average. And I think the hit itself, the one that was 3,000, was a perfect example of what Miguel Cabrera does great. He took an outside pitch the other way. That's what he does. And in his prime, he was like, un, you know, unpitchable. Uh, there was, you couldn't throw him outside, inside. He would take it wherever it was, it was thrown. Uh, and that hit was emblematic of that. And loyalty too. That's what you think of Miggy. Obviously we're top of the 3000 hits here, but loyalty to that Tigers organization. He wins a world series with the, um, was the Florida Marlins at the time. You know, in, in his younger time. And now, you know, he went over to Detroit and he stayed loyal to Detroit. And they had some success when he was there, too. They had some opportunities. Obviously, it's been a little bit more difficult for him, uh, but he's been the face of that organization. And that is what we'd love to see, right? Is, you know, you can recently look at the Jose Ramirez resigning with the with the Guardians, you know, that shows that loyalty to organizations. And Miggy has been, yeah, yeah, it's not like he's played with the Tigers his entirety of his career. He's had, like I said, time with the Marlins organization, but he's been with the Tigers and loyal to the city of Detroit. And I know Scott Nason and Butch Davis on the Game Sports of the Year on our 1400 editions, they talk about Detroit sports often and they, they've praised uh, Miguel Cabrera on there and I know even reading things before that they should move Miguel Cabrera for value no I'm glad that they never did they, they showed the loyalty to him like they've shown to them and to see him hit 3,000 yesterday you know in a in a and how all the appreciation he had from his teammates and the fans it's not just him as a player his character is well recognized around the league as well and and you can correct me if I'm wrong when he had that triple crown 
Uh, I don't know why I'm forgetting who the manager was at that time. I know people are going to be yelling in my ear about that right now, but I remember when he got the 3000 or sorry, uh, the, the triple crown, when he kind of basically solidified it and they pulled him out of the game, he was looking at the manager and laughing. The manager didn't look at him on purpose. You know, like he has that kind of that persona, uh, that organization and clubhouse is uh, it's always been fun to see them all together in one. And I think Miguel uh, is well-deserved. He's a, he's a, for sure, Hall of Famer. If he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, then obviously that's the biggest joke. And, you know, I think getting 3,000 hits, that's an incredible feat. You know, that is, that is almost, that's almost hitting, if you want to compare it in terms of hockey, is that getting 1,000 points? I think 3,000 hits is more than 1,000 points. I think that would be comparing it to more like 1,500 points if you want to talk hockey terms to our hockey listeners. Uh, if you're talking basketball, you're, you, I would say that that is up in the top five in points in basketball history. Uh, if you're talking football, that's like almost breaking the top three and throwing yardage as a quarterback. Like there's a lot. It's a big plateau to get or it's like getting 50 goals and 50 games in the national hockey league breaking that record so you know there's miguel cabrera in terms of baseball references has been the face of the tigers franchise and i can imagine how excited you were uh, for him and to see that uh, moment with your uh, with grandpa as well that's he's had a lot of storylines in his career and that's just one of them yeah absolutely i, I think you nailed it um the just to clarify the the manager that you're speaking of was jim leland was there we in go. 2012 that's right uh the G or the, the manager for the Tigers when they were in that prime stretch of, of 2010 through uh, 2013. Yep. Um, and then they moved on from him and went to Brad Osmus, which, you know, did, didn't go great, but oh. it is what it is. Now, see, um, Jim Leland, I should know that he was actually a guest on our show with Scott. See, I know listeners are going to be like, okay, Dave, do your homework with that. But Hey, guess what? Well, I didn't have it up. I forgot. People forget things, but that's the, when you think of, Miguel Cabrera, it's, I don't even just think of his talent. I love when a player stays with the team, even through the tough times, even though I know Miggy has won a world series. Maybe that's a big reason why if he wasn't someone who's still world series list per se, like a Nelson Cruz, uh, who doesn't have one either. I feel like maybe the Tigers would have owed that or moved him, maybe even if it was this year. But he's won one. He's done his success there. He's had success in Detroit. He loves being there. They love having him. The fans have him. And him getting that 3,000 hits in that jersey uh, is, is just great to see. And him, I love seeing those celebrations where they storm the field. Such a big moment in baseball. It be such a great point, Dave, that um, him winning the, the World Series at a young age, it's sort of – I don't know if it takes the pressure off or it gives you a little more swagger or clout. Um, we've seen it in football too, with Patrick Mahomes winning the Super Bowl at such a young age instantly now, like two and a half seasons in three seasons into his career, we're talking hall of fame from the get go, you know? And so when you've got guys like Mahomes, guys like Miguel Cabrera, who established themselves at a very young age, um, it makes it much easier to, I feel, stay loyal to a city because, you know, you've ripped that Band-Aid off. You've gotten your ring and now you can, you know, give back to a community. You can become a legend uh, in a town or in a city, um, kind of immortalize yourself in like, the culture uh, in a way that maybe a ring gets forgotten if you're, you know, a, jumping on a, on a bandwagon of a good team at the end of your career. Uh, but if you stay loyal to a franchise, then, then people will love you forever. Like this stat line when he was 30 years old in 2013, batting 348 with, with 442 on base percentage, like who bats 350 in the modern era? Like no, <laughs> nobody that's video game numbers. And with 44 home runs, it's not like he was just going for little 
you know, slap singles like that. He was mashing the ball. So he's a legend, first ballot Hall of Famer, love to see it. And another year left on his contract to, uh, you know, say goodbye, hopefully, um, the right way to Tigers fans. Yeah, you know, honestly, congratulations to Miguel Cabrera getting 3,000 hits. You know, there's been some iconic ones we've seen in our time. Derek Jeter's was really awesome when he got it with the Yankees. Obviously, you know, there's been people that have hit that plateau, and it's a very prestigious plateau. And he was already a prestigious player, no matter if he would have got this or not. But obviously, this should have been expected, given the amount of accolades he has, the talent that he is, and very very impressive indeed and i'm happy that he was able uh, to get it done on on the uh, on home field you know i don't like when those happen uh, on the road it's not as enjoyable it feels it's almost like winning a championship on the road you know you're happy you won it but ultimately you always say ah, i would have been better to do it here and he was able to do it at comerica park which would have been great uh too bad he didn't wait to get his 3000 hit till i was in detroit to watch so maybe if he was on covid protocol or wouldn't have mind if he would have waited till june 10th to get it but you know what Let's take those jokes aside. That still would have been a long way away. Uh, he would have been too <laughs> nervous with you in the crowd, Dave. He'd be like, oh, wait, wait, T-Gem's here. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> there was a game sports show media passing. Hey, we've got to wait to get those hits. No, uh, obviously he was going to get that well before June. We're in April. So uh, definitely uh, exciting for Miguel Cabrera. Now, before I get to the next topic, quick little shout out to all of our sponsors on the Game Sports Show. You can see them all on our website. Uh, you just go to the website uh, portion of the Game Sports Show. It's thegamesportshow.com. Uh, you can also hear our sponsors uh, through thegamesportshow.pubby.com, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Apple, all the platforms you get. We always talk about our sponsors, uh, but you can check out through, particularly on the website, as I mentioned, under the sponsorship section, we have a full list of our sponsors. And I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Little Caesars Pizza and Mike family. I hear that's a local business owner in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. A big part of our game sports show special edition uploads, which you can check out on YouTube. And these new shows edition of TGSS uh, are going to be going to YouTube very shortly as well. So that's my quick little ad placement as we transition to topic number two, the Blue Jays. Okay. Blue Jays, Connor are starting off hot. Okay. I, I, I'm pleased with the start with the Jays. And I mean, I'm pleased because I am a Blue Jay fan taking my host hat off here for a second. Obviously, a lot of people in Canada are. There's a lot of Blue Jay fans around the world, of course. They seem to be in every game at every time. It's like almost being a Leaf fan or, uh, well, maybe not as much Raptors fans because that's different sport overall. But when it comes to baseball and hockey, there's a lot of passionate fan bases in terms of Toronto. And the Jays are starting the season off at this current time of recording. They're going to be wrapping up uh, their series uh, today as we record here, April the 24th against the Houston Astros. And they will begin to start momentarily as we're talking, but they're 10 and five at this current point. And after today, they'll be 11 and five or 10 and six. Either way, uh, they are top of the AL East. I'm already talking standings 15 games in. There's still 140 some games to go. So there's a lot of room for error that can occur. But what's impressive about the Blue Jays, Connor, is that they start off great with even with an injury bug that has bitten them already. Something that was a concern uh, for Jays fans and was brought up a lot in the media. Could players stay healthy? such as Springer Jansen. Obviously, Teo went down last week. He's going to be slowly coming back, uh, obviously, with um, the injury that he sustained. He was on the 10-day DL. Jansen is nowhere near return, it looks like, at least two to three weeks before we could probably see him just getting back into rehabilitation starts. And then you got Springer, who got that uh, contusion against the Red Sox. It was a little bit of a scare. He had to take a, a game off or two, and he returned back, though, as soon as he was in Houston, hit a dinger, a leadoff at bat. So it seems like he's ready to go. Uh, so the Jays started off on what they're really showing though, Connor, is the depth of their bench has been really impressive. The, the San Diego or San Diego Espinal, sorry, has showed some real mean pop in his bats. And what's biggest concern though is their pitching. Not and I don't mean that in a 
very like whoa way, but you have Manoa who's been great. Don't get me wrong. And Kevin Gosman, who has been, who I felt has been great. He was stellar in the last game against the, the Sox. but look at Ryu. Barrios has had some shaky starts and, you know, um, Kiku, uh, Kikuchi has been, I would say average. They, they didn't for the first week and a half of the season, their ERA was near the bottom of the league. They're starting to get better though. These last couple of games, but the bullpen has been great, right? Romano, Simber Garcia, which he likes to be called Jimmy Garcia, not Yimmy. So Jimmy Garcia has been spectacular out of the pen. Uh, the only concern arm that I see coming out of the pen is when I see Julian Merriweather or Merriweather come out of the pen, I just go, Oh no. Okay, hopefully we've got a five-run lead here. And if you don't, this might be a little bit of trouble. No offense to Merriweather. Seems like he just can't get uh, into what he was expected to be. Pearson's on his way back. So overall, the Jays, a lot of news we can talk about the Jays, Connor, but they are starting off hot. And to be 10-5 and five at this point in the season, 15 games in, I think a lot of fans should take that. Yeah, I would take it and run if I was a Blue Jays fan. To be at the top of the division, despite all of these injuries, is incredible. And what's great now is... You can take that momentum and when guys start coming healthy and when guys start getting back in the lineup, uh, you know, it's all going to be uh, more positive and, and more, uh, you know, beneficial for the overall lineup and the, and the look of, of the order and for the pitching staff. Now, uh, as you noted, Ryu already having some forearm tightness and some, some injury, uh, signs of injury trouble he's got a history of that, you know, and the Jays knew what they were getting into when they signed him. Uh, but unfortunately, even back when he was a little bit younger uh, in LA, he, he would find himself on the, the injury reserve for long periods of time. So it's really great that um, when that sort of thing does pop up and, you know, injuries are a part of the game, you have young prospects like Manoa coming up and, and eating those innings up and you have great signings like, Gosman, who are to this point in time in the season looking like uh, the proper move. And I think, Dave, you said it right away um, when the Jays went the Gosman route and instead of Robbie Ray for roughly the same price, um, roughly the same age, roughly the same results, um, you warned that Robbie Ray might uh, be looking at a whiplash, like a, like a, you know, he he was due for it for a down season, uh, perhaps. And through three starts, uh, it's it's looking like that's the case. Uh, Kevin Gosman, in the in the short period of time uh, the season has has begun, um, so far has 18 innings pitched with over a strikeout per inning and an ERA under three, where Robbie Ray has roughly the same amount of innings pitched, but considerably less uh, strikeouts and an ERA over four. So. Um, Blue Jays fans should be smiling right now with the treatment of that offseason addition. Let's see if it pans out over the long term. You know, he's had some inconsistent starts, Robbie Ray, right? To it against even the White Sox April 13th, he had a 10 hit, 10 hit game, six runs. So you have the big thing with Robbie Ray that I saw was that if you look at his history before joining the Jays, they weren't Cy Young numbers. He comes to the Jays works with Pete Walker, who's a fantastic pitching coach. And he's at a different environment there in the Jays. There was a little bit of pressure off Ryu's there. They had a couple leading and Ray worked hard in that offseason, gained weight. He was in his contract year. And again, when you want to re-sign a player, you know, that's where the concern, concern comes from. You know, you're going to re-sign a player. Uh, he's going to have a big year in his contract year. So that's why making a big commitment on a contract is difficult. Where Gosman's been pretty consistent in his career. He's had some mad seasons, but he was great last year. He was pretty good the year before he's he's a highly touted prospect when he was coming into the majors so like there is there's 
there was always that suspicion. I don't want to say I was, I told you so, because there's still only uh, over just a dozen games into the season, but the Gosman project looks like it's working out so far with Toronto. He seems very comfortable there. He wants to be there. He loves being there. He's a big fan of Roy holiday, obviously. Uh, so obviously when you have that intact of somebody who wants to be there and someone who has a talent, Sometimes you can't replace it in the Jays. I just hope they can stay healthy just for Blue Jay fans sake, because if they can stay healthy, this team is going to be dangerous and they are favorites to win the division. They are looking, when you look at the divisions right now, the best division in baseball is arguably the NL West. When you think of it right now, between the Dodgers, Giants, Rockies, the Padres, the Diamondbacks are going to definitely not be finishing in the top four in that division. No offense. Uh, so it's the AL East is a tough, tough animal to, uh, to break, right? It's you got the Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Orioles, Orioles are ways away. So you got basically the division is going to come down to the other four squads and the Jays have shown right now, even they're battling through that adversity, the injury, they are showing their depth. They have, have such a great chemistry in that clubhouse that it's not like any other team. You got Mayor Guerrero there dancing around. You got Teoscar Hernandez when he plays flash, when he hits home runs with the home run jacket. You have the even the marketing team, the Jays, as I'm going off the grid here, but they have a bobblehead night for Bo Bichette coming up this upcoming week against the Red Sox. And the commercial to, to, to promote it is fucking fantastic. So I got to swear. It, it, it's absolutely hilarious, Connor. If you haven't seen it yet, when they talk about his uh, the Bowflow um, bobblehead, when they say about swagger, silkiness, it's, it is absolutely hilarious. Just a, this whole persona of this team is just brings excitement to the city of Bay, uh, to the city of Toronto and major league baseball should be all loving this as well. And this should prove why another organization should be taken uh, in Canada. But uh, I know we are going to be talking about a team that's having struggles with attendance in just a few minutes, but I'm not going to talk about that team moving. There's another team that I think should be Montreal, which they're playing games. That's the race. Okay. I, I feel like Tampa Bay Rays, they, they don't have enough support there. I feel like that should be Montreal and the way the blue Jays are playing right now, they're showing that's a great market to play in. They have a great, nucleus of guys great core group of guys and i really feel like the jays are going to stay consistent this year now if they can get back to being 100 healthy with that team you cannot pitch around any hitter because everybody can hit the ball every single person at bat tapia has shown he can hit the ball you have kirk who's shown he can hit the ball now you got zach collins who's hitting a couple dingers he's hot when he plays like there's you just can't get around it so the only way you can beat the jays is if you attack their arm or their bullpen but their bullpen's been hot at this point so if they can stay on this consistency that's the biggest thing ensuring no injuries and then also maintaining consistency in the bullpen. And you know, their bats are going to stay hot each time because that's how those professionals are. It's exciting time watching the Jays in my honest opinion, but you know, that's going to be a tough row. Again, there's a lot of good, uh, good teams in the AL and especially to win the world series, the NL is looking really deep, especially the Dodgers, even the Mets have certainly uh, came hot out of the gate. So a couple teams coming out hot, but the Jays being 10 and five, take that and run. Connor, I'm going to go to you for the next topic, athletics. Uh, not good if you're an athletics fan in terms of, well, you come into the season, you're third in the division right now, 8-8, eight eight. can't complain about that. They have definitely, I think, overachieved. Chapman was traded. Olsen was traded. You know, uh, Montas likely be out the door. You know, the, they, they're moving out, guys, because they can't afford to keep them. And, you know, there's, a, there's videos I watch on YouTube uh, it's, I like to watch little franchise mode or GM stuff when I'm just maybe eating something or have the time to watch something quick on YouTube or listen to something. And I love when people do video game segments and they do GM modes. And there was this guy that did it, the, the Ann Ortiz, I believe, is his, is his, his YouTube. Here I am promoting him. He can send me a check at any time uh, if he tunes in. But anyways, you have he did an, an athletics rebuild, and he brought up a very good point that the owner just doesn't want to spend money 
and there needs to be drastic change with the athletics organization. And I'm going to give you the floor with this, but this is a, an organization that, you know, had the Moneyball movie. They've always battled that payroll adversity and they're still having those problems and their attendance has been really laughable and embarrassing as well, Connor. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, as we spoke about a little bit off air, there's this one tweet going around that I saw where the minor league affiliate for the Oakland A's actually had more attendance than the professional team itself. It was like 5,000 for the minor league stadium and 3,800 or so for the, for the actual MLB team. It's, it's pretty embarrassing. And, you know, for a long time now, we've known that in general, small market teams, you know, they can't pay as much money. That's okay. Um, they'll try to punch above their weight class with, uh, as you mentioned, the money ball movement and the analytics push. And now that bigger teams have started incorporating that, the, the competitive advantage that once existed for those uh, sorts of movements has totally been um, equalized for the most part uh, across the board. Um, but when it comes to the Oakland A's, uh, in direct contrast to teams that you see like the Tampa Bay Rays, um, they only ever seem to go for it like one year. You know, maybe uh, other teams that are from smaller markets will build and they'll build. I know the Cincinnati Reds, but for a while, like maybe six or seven years ago, they were building and they were building and they try to sustain it. Uh, the, the Rays, you know, they try to sustain it, their smaller market. Um, but Oakland is notorious for loading up, spending the money for one year and then going into hibernation mode for three years. You mentioned maybe trading Frankie Montaz. It feels just like yesterday they were trading for Frankie Montaz because they were unloading on their previous regime uh, of, of players that was uh, getting the boot out the door. And that's just what it is. Even if they have the money at one point in time to pay for these players, they don't have the will to pay for them year after year. So at that point, you're, you're basically in a, in a, on a hamster wheel that's, that's never ending. And if you don't win on your one shot, then we're back into to rebuild mode. I feel bad for those fans. It must be terrible to watch. And Billy Bean even ejected. He aborted the mission um, and has left the organization. And you know what? I, I kind of get it. <laughs> it would be frustrating to be putting up with this for, for decades after decades. But Billy Bean literally was offered a job Okay. Uh, to go to the, uh, to go to the Red Sox. Okay. And he turned it down to stay with this team, you know, and the Red Sox going the world series. I think that was, I understand loyalty, but geez, that was, that was, uh, uh, despite the full truth, not truth, whatever it may be, you know, he should have definitely taken that, <laughs> that and ran. But anyways, you have right now a team in Oakland that I honestly feel you've already had the Raiders go and move. I, I'm going to start rumors in these next couple topics, and I've already said it in the previous one where I feel the Rays should go to Montreal. I think they eventually will, and I already know they're kind of already transitioning with that, but why not send Oakland to Las Vegas? You know, you already got Las Vegas who has already, a, I know they have a triple A team, but that can all be changed. Uh, minor league leagues change around all the time. Why not move Oakland to the to Las Vegas? Keep them the Las Vegas Athletics. You can still keep the logo. Keep it all together. It's like how you have the uh, Vegas Raiders. Uh, and when you, they already have the Vegas Golden Knights there. Their sports have already shown that they can handle and people that will go with the games. And the, the Athletics, 
are, are I think not getting the fans that they, that they should be getting because a, they don't have an attractive team to go see, even though they're doing well, they really don't. It's not, there's not a lot of players like, Oh my God. Yeah. I need to go watch that. And you know, you got Alvis Andrews and Frankie Montas, you know, Montas doesn't play every day. You have Alvis Andrews who uh, is not a star studded talent. I'm sorry. He's, he's not. And I'll never forget how he caused a few errors in 2015 for the Jays. Thank you very much, Alvis Andrews. Uh, but you have a team that has pro- good promising prospects coming up though. Like they have good young blood coming up, which is great, but I'm going to start a rumor. I'm saying I think the wheels going to start turning where Oakland looks at getting relocated, but that won't happen until the Rays move first. I think the Rays are probably uh, more of a priority for the MLB because of the struggles. But the, look at the field that uh, with Oakland, it, they need a new ball field. It's it, there's a lot that needs to be changed. The owner needs to get off his lazy ass. I'm sorry I'm saying that, but I think new ownership needs to come in and try to fix this with Oakland. And if it doesn't work in Oakland after they bring in new ownership or try to sell the team and bring in that ownership, they can look at maneuvering and moving around to somewhere else where I think would be Las Vegas. Uh, you have a, a team that would be players would probably love to go to. It's a hot climate. It has a world series in its past. It's shown that it can ha- have a good fan base. You, you know, they, they're also very vintage type logo. They have a, they have a great looking squad in terms of a marketing perspective. There's not a lot of negatives you could say about Oakland, except the fact that they don't have a good ball field. They don't have a good president and they don't have a payroll to build a competitive team like the Yankees or even now the Jays, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. And that's what the only unfair thing in baseball is, is that some teams get leg up on others because of prestige, but also because of that money. And if you bring in an ownership that's going to be at least spend double the money than what they do now, and that, trust me, they don't spend a lot right now. Even spending double doesn't come close to a lot of the other teams. But if it's to spend at least double, that will bring in some other talent to start building around. Then you have these young guys that are coming up already to work with those other guys, and it just all works out. Okay, I feel like the ownership needs to change to start, and if that doesn't work, we need to look at relocating. I don't know what you think, Connor. Would relocating be a crazy thought, or is that something that could happen with Oakland? It almost gets to the point where, like, it, it begs the question, like, how how bad are other owners and the league prepared to let it get, right? Like, if it, it, it's, I mean, we're talking about attendance levels that could realistically fit inside the arena that the Arizona Coyotes are playing hockey in right now. This, this is, like, bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. Like, baseball stadiums typically can fill tens of you know, tens of, or like thousands of, of people. Um, and <laughs> it's just the numbers that they're putting up are, are quite, quite embarrassing. And you'd think that, um, you know, owners would want to get, get some sort of, you know, expanded like ticket revenue, generate some, some sales of, of merchandise, but I guess they've done that internal calculus um, inside their organizations and, and have realized that, spending more on players isn't worth the benefit of the extra jersey sales and the extra tickets and the extra popcorn and peanuts and and whatever gets people uh going in and and tuning in to the games uh live and and over like telecast so it's sad to see um i'm a big fan of relocation why not honestly like it it can work the the reason that it's an option is because it, it really truly can work and i don't know what that break point would be I mean, at the end of the day, if you own a property or you own a franchise, you can do whatever the hell you want with it, is my understanding. So uh, unless there's some sort of uh, break point where 
you know, pressure mounts either from the public or from external stakeholders, um, we might still be looking at a lot of the same for the foreseeable future. Definitely. Now, I feel for Oakland fans, you know, they, they just want to have a competitive team in there. You know, the glory days in the late 80s, and they have never been able to spend money. And that lays on ownership. It does. And also does lay on fans, though. If they're not making money, the team doesn't make money. So it's a two-way street, but you got to spend the money to make it. That's the first step. And that lies 100% in the ownership and organization's hands before the fans. Last topic, Connor. Uh, went a little bit extra here, but uh, it's good. We have a lot of great content that we're given here. The Reds are cold. Okay, the Reds are not red hot, as the pun would be. The Reds are ice cold. Okay, they are not starting off the year hot. And the reason why we're bringing up the Cincinnati Reds, well, two and thirteen is something to start a conversation about. That's not a way you want to start a season, most definitely. You're in a very tough division overall, the NL Central, but even the NL in general. The Reds should have known that probably going in this year that they likely wouldn't be a successful team to make the playoffs. Again, you, I want to bring up another rumor. I want to, I want to actually not bring up. I want to start a rumor. Okay. Now we've talked about Miggy hitting 3000, being loyal to the Tigers. And that's the same thing with Joey Votto. Okay. Like he's been with the Reds. He's loyal and he loves being there. Loves being in Cincinnati. So maybe I'm kind of contradicting myself, but I've I also did say myself and Connor, Miggy got 3,000 hits. Yes, but he's won a World Series young in his career. When he got dealt to the Tigers, this is his second team. He was loyal there. They've had some hot years. And you know what? He had all that pressure taken off him, right? He had, the, like you said, he had he won it. He just wants to remain in one spot, be the face of a franchise. And that's what he's done in Detroit. Loyal character. That's what Votto has, for real. And a lot of Canadians give Votto shit, right? Where he said, oh, I didn't don't really give credit to the Canadian side of things for my development in baseball. But hey, listen, Baseball wasn't the greatest of development in Canada. And how do I know that? Well, research, but there's a guy on the other end of this microphone that did do uh, development here in Canada. And you know what? It is better now. And Connor, I'm not talking shit about the Sioux Black Sox. I want everyone to erase that from their mind. Okay. Just so people know Sioux Black Sox are a local organization that are here in Sioux St. Marie where we record. That's not what I'm saying. Great development. Okay. There is great development, but the United States is better. Okay, and, and I'm not saying it wasn't it was shit in Vancouver like it was for Votto or that I'm saying it's shit anywhere else. It's not shit. It's great. Everyone volunteers their time. They work hard and they try to promote the talent. And now the Jays have done, been doing good last little bit. They have some extra talent. They did great in 2015, 2016. Baseball picked up. That's what's really going to improve baseball in Canada. The United States is a different, different, completely different development. Look at football. Football's different in the States. You have our high school teams playing their high school teams. Trust me, the results are not in favor of Canada. It's just the way the facts it is. USA does have better development when it comes to football and baseball. We're talking baseball right now. If you want to talk hockey, that's on our hockey show coming up, but I ain't going to talk about how Canadians better hockey development. Listen, sports are different in each country. Votto was saying he had better in the States, which should be true because of how big baseball is in the United States in comparison to Canada. Hopefully we get to that point soon. But at the time when Votto was getting better in his career, it wasn't great. It was still in its infancy stage of developing and enhancing. Okay. And Connor, I'm sure you can attest that we've improved greatly as a country in terms of baseball. There's still work though to be done. You may comment or may not on that, but Votto is in Cincinnati. He's loyal, but, and he's may have given shit about joining Canada. I always say, well, the Jays sold their hat in the pot to get Votto though. 
Not this year. It might be a next year thing with the DH because he still has another year on a very expensive contract. Then he has a club option in 2024. So very difficult to move. But I'm going to make the rumors and I'm going to start Joey Votto going to the Seattle Mariners. You know, Seattle Mariners have a little bit of room where they could take him in. Obviously, they don't really need the first base, the DH. Like they, they got a pretty decent lineup over there, but you make room for Votto. And they are in the top of their division at this current time of recording. They've already spent money on Robbie Ray, which has sort of not been the best move yet. But why not make the step to bring in someone who, who would be close to Canada? Like Votto would be close to Vancouver. He'd be close to, close to Canada. I think going to Seattle would make most sense for Joey Votto. And I feel like the Reds can look at moving Joey Votto, if not this year, which I think they should perhaps next year to give them that chance to win. I, I, I believe in loyalty. I think it's great. I love seeing teams, uh, players retire with teams, but when you have an, a veteran like Votto and someone who's had a great career like Votto, why not look at moving them and trying to get them that championship he deserves. Now I'm not saying Seattle's going to win the world series because they're not, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to say that I think the Jays are better. I think the Yankees are better. Uh, I think uh, that the, the, the Rays are better in the AL. Maybe this isn't the Mariners time. Maybe next year isn't even the time. But I'm just giving an example about where he can go or heck, keep him in the same division. Maybe don't move him to the Dodgers because there's no room there. But you can look at other teams such as the Mets. You can look at the Cardinals. You can look at the Brewers. They don't really need him on there because they don't carry a DH. So the only thing that makes sense is moving Votto to the AL where he can be a DH and first baseman and the Mariners stick out for me. So why not Votto to the Mariners? That's what I want to start with Votto and start those rumors going. So the Reds are cold, Connor, and Votto should get traded and kind of ignore and know that I'm contradicting myself with loyalty. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, uh, the only other, I guess, explanation uh, other than for the way that Joey Votto would want his career to end would be, you know, perhaps he wants to retire a red and have only ever played in Cincinnati. And, you know, there, there's some merit to that as well. Who knows if his family is like deeply entrenched in the community who knows if he would want to, I don't know, be a trade deadline uh, acquisition so that maybe his family can stay put and he can move back there later. Like, you never know what, what's going on in, uh, in these people's lives and, and what they would push for behind the scenes. But at the end of the day, despite his, you know, struggles at the beginning of this year, Joey Votto hit 36 home runs last year and batted around 265. Like, that helps. That, that, that'll help most teams with a pulse. And, um, you know, whether it's to Seattle or, you know, maybe bring him back to Canada and have him play for the Jays and, and pass the, I don't know, steal the, steal the torch from Vladdy and then give it back to him. I, it's, <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe I'm getting a little too carried away, but at the end of the day, Joey Votto, great player, um, is, is a huge competitor. And, uh, as a Canadian, you know, you have to be a fan, like, especially when we've watched those world baseball classic events where Canada's rolling up there with like uh, Joey Votto, uh, I think like Justin Morneau and like seven dudes from single A. Like it's just like it's such a fun time to, to see uh, Canadians starting to, to develop more of a strength in baseball, much the same way that they're doing in basketball. And uh, it's all thanks to uh, players like this leading the charge. That's it. Exactly. And it, it helps lead the Canadian side of things. And, you know, the, I'm not, like I said at the beginning, I'm not criticizing anything with the development of Canadian baseball. The big point why I brought that up is because there's a lot of Canadian fans that are upset at Votto for saying that, but it really, it wasn't anything bad. It was just saying how it wasn't good at the time when he was there, but it's gotten a lot better. And we appreciate everyone taking the time. It's just that this almost makes sense to give it credit where it's doing. Yeah. Maybe he wants to stay and be loyal, but 
everyone wants to have a championship. Everyone wants to feel the taste. And I don't think Seattle's a team to do it, but the Jays would be more realistic. But again, the money is very difficult to maneuver around. So if he was moved to the Jays, I don't think that would be a this year thing. I think that would be more of a next year thing, uh, most certainly uh, for that. But if another team should be interested, I think the Mariners should be looking at him as well, because you would probably think about reporting there because of how close he would be to his original home country. But hey, you get settled in Cincinnati, been there a long time. Maybe that's where he stays. Connor, that's been uh, more, a uh, little longer edition than we figured. Um, but we still touched on a lot there. I'm going to give you the floor for anything else you want to bring up. Uh, or if uh, you just want to proceed on to the conclusion, my friend, this is mostly uh, the agenda that we come up with together, but I like when uh, we talk about everything that you want to talk about, my friends, I want to make sure that there's nothing else on your mind before we go to commercial break. And then we start talking hockey on this combined edition of the game sports show. Hey, there's one quick thing that I really desperately need to talk about before we leave. And that's, uh, you mentioned the Beau Bichette bottle, bobblehead. Um, and it's just been on my mind. You know, this year, uh, we didn't do an Easter edition of the Game Sports Show. We normally do our shows on every single holiday weekend uh, for the last three years. And for this Easter, I actually received as a gift a, uh, you know, very good Catholic boy that I am. A Pope Francis bobblehead. So if I could find a way to put a Bobachette bobblehead right beside my Pope Francis bobblehead, maybe that's the good juju that the Jays need to finally bring a World Series back to Toronto. Oh, that commercial is the most funny and great commercial. Great PR work by the Jays with that. It is awesome. Like it is so awesome. Uh, activate or uh, I, I, I'm not even going to start doing it. I almost feel like I want to play it on the show, but I feel like Jay's PR might message me and be like, um, hello. Uh, you, you, but definitely check it when you're watching the Jays, hopefully they play it a couple times, especially today when they play the Astros and upcoming series is very tough schedule for the Jays too. I should have mentioned that on their topic and to be the record that they're at good start. But anyways, Connor, my friend, it has been great. Uh, some news from a local front um, in terms of local. I know we have a lot of listeners in the Michigan area well, worldwide. I've seen on all of our analytics, if you will, me speaking honestly, but in terms of those that are in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, the Algoma region, or even in Sioux, Michigan, because, you know, we can travel back and forth now on the border, you know, with following proper protocols. And if you're sick, except not sick, etc. But if you're interested in joining baseball, we have a men's league fast pitch league. There's also a slow pitch league. I'm going to give credit to that. There's a, it's greatly ran as well. Very fun. Uh, but also there's minor league baseball. Connor has been a part of that black, black Sox organization uh, from a coach and a player perspective. So if you're looking at getting your youth into baseball, you can do that here in Tuesday, Ontario. Ontario. Just send us a message or even just give it a Google search. You'll see it, but we'll be glad to help you and point you in the right direction. Uh, if you're looking to sign up your child or even get into slow pitch, but I want to give a quick shout out even more so to our men's league baseball. We always talk about it throughout the course of the baseball season. Uh, and we talk about Connor's ability as a ball player, which everybody knows the surprise stats that I put up on the board throughout for the last couple of years. You know, it's, it's been very fun and we've been known as the game sports show. However, uh, we have rebranded the name of the team. We are now called the T gem pandas. Now a little bit of a change and we have different colors in terms of, well, we're blue, but we're now a baby powder blue with pandas across the shirt. It's going to be look, it's going to be a great look and look fresh. So why am I bringing up the T gem pandas? Well, of course you can follow TGEM on YouTube and social media. We now have an Instagram and Facebook page for TGEM. A lot of big things coming there. You can follow the Game Sports Show as well on social media and all where you get your podcasts. But because you should sign up for baseball, look, if you're looking at doing something this summer, even if you play or don't play, it's great to go and play a couple times a week. 
to play the game of baseball, be around your friends that you want to play with. It's a very fun league, and it's also a competitive league that allow you to really feel like you're playing baseball and get you the best experience possible. So I encourage you to sign up for the baseball from a local realm if you have the ability uh, to do so. You can, uh, like I said, reach out to us, and we'll give you that information. Connor, my friend, thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, it's going to be a little top shelf action, a little couple commercials, very quick commercials before we get into hockey. But again, Connor, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to come on Strike Zone today. Love you, Dave. I love you too, man. And actually, I should reword that. You are the host. I am just the guy who talks a little bit extra. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, this strike zone edition. Now, Connor, again, thank you. Thank you to listeners. As I mentioned, we're taking a quick break. We're going to come back with some hockey chat. It's just going to be me talking hockey. And listen, I've had some fire editions with talking hockey and it's going to be a pretty, pretty good edition. Let me tell you of uh, top shelf coming your way. Don't go anywhere. You can follow the game sports show on Facebook and Instagram at the game sports show. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Zachary Kelly. I'm a professional goaltender in the Washington Capitals organization. If you're a sports person, well, you need to download my new app. It's called Living Sisu, S-I-S-U. Everything about sports, from discounts to events to just learning new tips and tricks about sports. Download the app. Follow us on Instagram. We have the app just came out there on iOS and Android. Just want to say a big shout out to the guys at the Game Sports Show. Thanks a lot. And I really appreciate you guys. And we'll talk real soon. Welcome back to the Game Sports Show. David McKay continuing to host you here. This is now the top shelf edition of the Game Sports Show. You were just previously tuning into the Strike Zone edition. I want to say thank you again to Connor Henderson for taking the time to join on the panel today. Connor Henderson, of course, the main host of Top Shelf. We'll be back with another edition of Top Shelf within the next 14 days or so now that we're transitioning to hockey. It will be just yours truly for the duration of the show. Dane, Justin, and Alex, the usual three that join yours truly, are unable to join me here today. Uh, but, of course, we have a lot to get to in terms of the National Hockey League and hockey in general. And before I even do that, I want to talk about the local side of hockey first. Again, I know we have listeners from different areas of Canada, United States, etc. But sticking to the local side for just a few moments uh, that we'll be getting into more on our Monday edition of the 1400 uh, edition of the Game Sports Show with myself and Scott Nason. Uh, the Susie Marie Greyhound started their playoff one uh, uh, this season, and they went and won a couple games in a row uh, to move up to nothing going into game three in their first round matchup. The Greyhounds, of course, as we've talked about a lot on the show, especially as I mentioned on the Monday editions on the live radio show of the Game Sports Show on 1400 AM, very pesky and very tough team to play against, a talented team uh, to play against. And I think the Hounds are poised for a deep run in the playoffs. It'll be great to see how they do as the playoffs continue on and go forward. But you can definitely go check out the Greyhounds. They're on television, on the radio, on our sister station that you could tune into. But when they are in action here at home, hopefully you do take the time to go in attendance and support the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. They have a great team to watch. They're always excited to watch no matter what is put on the ice. So make sure you keep tabs on that. Congratulations to the Hounds on a successful first couple games. Of course, with the Game Sports Show and our sister station on Rock 101 that we have our live radio shows through uh, with 1400 AM on the Rock 101 shows. Uh, Jerry Linscombe, who does a great job uh, talking through the Greyhound games. Uh, we are very supportive of their run and we'll be following their run uh, throughout the entirety of the OHL 
playoffs. There's also more local playoffs going on in the NOJHL uh, that you can check out as well. But as I mentioned, we'll get into more of the local hockey side uh, this upcoming Monday, which will be tomorrow, April the 25th on 1400 AM with yours truly and Scott Nason. Now going to continue to transition into the National Hockey League. There's a lot of content to get to in just very short time. And I'm going to start right with the Atlantic division. Okay, let's start right there. Then arguably the best division in hockey. I know a lot of people are uh, maybe look and talk about saying that the Metropolitan Division is potentially a team or, or a division rather. And then you can look at the Western Conference if you really want to start talking about uh, the Central Division and how the Western Conference has had success against the East this year. Listen, uh, the Eastern Conference and is the best conference and the Atlantic division is the best division in the national hockey league, no matter what you say. Okay. You can look and say, Oh, wow. That Atlantic division, they have the Montreal Canadiens, the Ottawa Senators, Detroit Red Wings and Sabres in there. Okay. But again, you still have the Panthers, Leafs, Lightning and Bruins. Okay. So I would say about 50% of those teams are still extremely like cut favorite contenders and the Red Wings and Sabres have actually fared to have decent years and expected. Yeah. They're under 500, but they weren't a team that well was Arizona coyotes or the Philadelphia flyers, uh, type season where you're 22, 50 and seven, if you're the coyotes at this current point of recording. So the Atlantic division, you can argue with me and leave your comments below, reach out to me and tell me why, you know, I'm sure teams that are oiler fans, flame fans, or potentially that are avalanche fans, or even wild fans, or even hurricane fans might come out and say, well, we have something to say to you, which is fine. I want to hear them because I'm sorry, the Atlantic division back-to-back cup winners are in that division as well. And the Stanley cup favorites are in that division. And no, not the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is the Florida Panthers. Uh, the Florida Panthers and Colorado Avalanche are the two teams that everyone thinks is going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals. I know our hockey analyst, Dane Hancho, has predicted that at the beginning of the season. You know, but playoffs could be a whole different animal cookie. The Florida Panthers haven't gotten out of the first round or out of a playoff round since 1996 when they made the Stanley Cup Finals. And heck, the Leafs haven't made it out of the first round since 2004. So there, there's a lot of storylines that could be written, but if you want to go the Tampa Bay Lightning or Boston Bruins route, they've had some success in the playoffs over the last handful of years. Uh, but the Tampa Bay Lightning obviously winning back-to-back cups. The Atlantic Division, I'm going to say flat on the first topic, best division in hockey for a reason. And that's why I'm going there first. Florida Panthers has recently played the Toronto Maple Leafs. Very exciting game. Very back and forth. High intense action. Jack Campbell played really well for Toronto, which is promising for Leaf fans. And of course, you have some injury scares with Toronto, especially at this current time. Michael Bunting, you got Jake Muzzin, who knows if he'll be back. Rasmus Sandin. Florida, they don't have Aaron Ekblad, who's uh, their top defenseman, which is scary to think about because how good the defenseman uh, core is. They this that would be a very exciting second round. Okay, yeah, it would be exciting if it was Tampa or Boston second round too. But hey, the top two offenses in the National Hockey League being Tampa or sorry, being Florida and Toronto rather, those are teams that would make imagine to seeing them play a seven game series. Now, the Florida Panthers I think would have an edge because of the way how balanced their team is. Uh, but I think Toronto can keep compete, can compete with them better than a lot of teams in the Atlantic because of that offensive side. The Florida Panthers like that back and forth game. They want to play that gunslinger. They want to go. They, they have defense so they can back up and support the forwards. But the least like playing that as well. Where Tampa Bay is very good, well-rounded offensively and defensively, which could pose uh, dif- uh, difficulties for teams that are high-octane offense. But again, Florida has a good defensive core. And some Bobrovsky, when he's hot, he's hot. And when Spencer Knight's hot, he's hot. They, their goaltending may be the only question mark in Florida, but they're still winning hockey games. They have 120 points right now, 57 wins at this current point of discussion. So the Florida Panthers and Leafs is where I'm going with the first point. 
great second round matchup that would be. Just imagine how that would be. But again, the Leafs would have to get past the first round, which obviously seems like barring any uh, potential issues that can occur in the next handful of games, which can occur, the Leafs will likely finish second in their division and have home ice and most likely against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, back-to-back championships to Tampa. And right now they're waiting for Braden Point to come back into the lineup and we'll see if he returns healthy by playoffs. But you have Toronto and Tampa. They're going to be another very exciting series. And for Toronto to have home ice in that first round would be huge. People say, well, the Leafs have had for home ice advantage in the first round recently. Yes, they have. They had it last year against Montreal and the year before against it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. But let's remind that there was the bubble. Okay. If there was no fans. Yeah, you're on your own home ice, but what? Is home ice mean? It means the fan support, the background. You get that power play, you get that goal, your horn's going off, everyone's excited, everyone's trying to get into it. And the playoff atmosphere in Toronto is actually really good. It's a lot better than it is in the regular season. So that's where you can have that home ice in a game seven potential type matchup, which they haven't had. They've had chances to close out series as well in home ice. If you want to go back to 2019 with the Boston Bruins in game six, and they didn't do it, but Hey, listen, Toronto hasn't made a pass the first round over a handful of years. I've made out since 20, 2004 in any of the recent playoff rounds they've played in. They are due to do so. And as Scott Neeson has said in our 1400 edition, if they do get out of the first round, watch out for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I can agree more. I'm not just saying that because, yes, I am a Leaf fan off of talking sports or taking my host hat off here and being a fan. But again, I'm not going to speak biases on the show, but the Leafs have the best goal scorer in the league right now. They have a very... Very impressive first line with Marner, Matthews, and Bunting, especially when it's healthy. The, one of the best lines in hockey. I'm sure other lines will have something to say about that. But they've had also a very good third line that has been really effective, centered by David Camp, who I always thought would be more of a fourth-line guy. But th- that's where the depth in the forward has been great. Defense, adding Mark Giordano was a great add. The question mark for me is if some players can stay healthy, show up for the playoffs, but if Jack Campbell could be the Jack Campbell of last year and the beginning of this year, because that's what's going to be needed, especially when you're playing Tampa or Florida. And people ask, who would you want Toronto to play in the first round? I really don't care. If they play Boston, I would love to see them slay the Dragon and get to the second round. It's almost like Washington against Pittsburgh when they did end up winning the Stanley Cup. Or do they play Tampa? Slay that Dragon. They've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. That would be a really good team to move on to the second round about. Yes, either way, you're going to have to play Florida in the second round because I don't think they're going to lose in the first round. I'm sorry to Washington or Pittsburgh fans who ever end up playing them. I would rather Pittsburgh play Florida. I think they would give them a harder challenge. But Florida will likely be in the second round, and Toronto's going to have to play them anyway. So it doesn't matter. you got to get through the teams. Yeah, by the time you get to the Stanley Cup final, the other team, likely Colorado, will be a bit more rested than the team coming out of the Eastern Conference. But the preparation is big. And I think teams like Toronto, teams like Florida, Tampa, all those teams, they would rather have the challenge than have a coach to get into the Stanley Cup Finals because of the way those teams are built. Is this as long as they can stay healthy? Bull, all those teams that I have mentioned. But I shouldn't take away anything from the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay, now Freddie Anderson's health. We'll see if that's up in the air, see if he can get back before playoff time because that's a big loss for Carolina. If that goes out in the Rangers, they have an MVP caliber goaltender. I think they've overachieved this year, but Carolina is definitely a team to watch. Okay, they, they're really strong defensively. They have good good uh, core forwards up front, but I think they're more built for defensive side, which is really big in the playoffs, especially their bottom two lines, third and fourth lines are really effective. So Carolina is built for playoff hockey and will pose any challenge for a team in the Atlantic. But hey, fair to say, I think a team from the Atlantic division is making the Stanley Cup final and bold predictions either be Florida, Toronto, or Tampa. Sorry, Boston fans. The Eastern Conference is not why it is wide open, but it isn't because there are favorite teams 
but anything can happen in the playoffs. And I think it's the most competitive conference and it's going to provide the most excitement in the first round of the playoffs, which is still not until May 2nd. We've still got a little bit till playoff time. So yes, I will get into some regular season discussion as the topics go around. And just in case you haven't noticed, I am going to go all over the place with discussion here today. So hopefully you don't mind getting your full dosage of hockey chat in its variety. I'm going to go to the Western Conference for a second. Central Division with the Colorado Avalanche. And yes, more than a second, but the Colorado Avalanche, 116 points. Very impressive. Very good team. Very exciting team. Very deep team. Okay, Minnesota Wild. I think that is the most exciting team to watch in the Western Conference right now. Listen, I am going to go to the Calgary Flames and the Oilers. Don't worry. I'm going to give them some love too. But I'm going to talk the Minnesota Wild. The Blues, no, I'm not going that route. I feel like the Blues won't get out of the first round. No offense to the St. Louis Blues and its fans. But I feel like if you're playing Minnesota, that team is a dark horse going to the playoffs. You've got some good depth at goaltending. They're just very, very tenacious. They're great. They attack the puck. And I think that's where it's going to be successful, especially against the Colorado Avalanche, if that's who they end up playing indeed in uh, the the second round once they do get past the first round. Minnesota will win a round of playoff hockey this year, but it's if they can get past Colorado, Minnesota is making the cup finals easily. But the Colorado Avalanche are the favorite to come out of the West. I think they will come out of the West, but you got to watch out for Minnesota because of that goaltending. Defensively, they have a team that's really built for playoff hockey. Jordan Greenway, they have Felino. They have some guys that are going to get into those tight and dirty areas, crash the crease, and cause a, a lot of problems for uh, defensemen. And Again, watch out for Minnesota. Calgary Flames, overachieving this year, in my opinion, to a certain degree. I'm sorry. People are going to say and really disagree with me on that. But I will say I think Calgary Flames will make the Western Conference Finals. So how do I think they're overachieving? Well, last year, look at the way they played compared to now. They made some changes. When it came to last year, you lose Giordano. Uh, you know, the, the, the improvement of their backup goaltending. But you still have Markstrom, who's really stepped up his game. Gujo and Kachuk doing well together. Lindholm, that was one of the hottest lines in hockey next. I know that's where a lot of people are going to argue between the Matthews, Marner, Bunting line with comparison to Lindholm, Gujo, and Kachuk. But the Flames, I think where the real test is going to be if they could show up in the playoffs, much like Toronto. Uh, but the Flames have shown that they really, uh, that they've really had the talent up front. They've really had this core was good to have together. It just had to all come together, and it has this year. But I think the Pacific Division allows it to be a bit more kind for the Calgary Flames. You always start off weak. The Kings, I think, they, they were not expected to be a playoff team this year. They are. That's very impressive for them. They got one of the best prospect systems in all of hockey. The Vegas Golden Knights, I'm sorry, making that trade with Jack Eichel. I'm loving that they're on the outside looking in right now. It looks good for Buffalo. They have the same record since Jack's been traded. They're basically identical records the exception of one overtime loss to Buffalo from Vegas. So who won that trade? We'll never really find out. I'm really going to lean towards long-term might be the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights I and Vancouver Canucks, they started off cold this year. San Jose Ducks and Kraken, those are teams that are on the other side right now of not competing. So I think the Pacific Division is a bit more straightforward to win or come a top team in, which allows you to play a good chunk of your games in the season. And if you go look at other teams in the Western Conference that they play a good majority of, Chicago, the Arizona, yes, uh, teams like Toronto have lost two games to Arizona this year, so anything can happen in a game. But I think the the pathway to winning your division in the West is a lot easier than it is for the Eastern Conference. So, yes, the conference final matchup going obvious here with the Flames and Colorado Avalanche, from my own opinion. But the Calgary Flames, great to see their success this year. But I still think there's a little bit of overachievement there. But we will see how it goes the rest of this year and what happens next year if they're able to keep some of the guys together and if that keeps up. If they do it two years in a row, then I might retract that I think they're overachieving. Okay, but I will not take it away that they're a very good team. They're certainly a playoff team, but a 50-win team, I wasn't guessing that this year. 
again, the pathway a little easier. Edmonton Oilers got hot after making a coaching change. Mike Smith's been hot. Love seeing a 40-year-old goaltender who's looking for a Stanley Cup championship do extremely well. Since bringing in Evander Kane, the Oilers have done really well as well. He's, you know, obviously there's still some trouble on the ice that we're seeing that comes up the odd time with the chirps and with Hartman and now his ex-wife get involved that comes with Evander Kane, but he's actually done really well on the ice for the Edmonton Oilers. And he'll be a big factor going to the playoffs. And when it comes to second round, cause I think the Oilers will be a second round team to play Calgary. It'll be extremely tough, a tough series. And Kane will be dependent on in that series, along with Zach Hyman uh, and uh, Warren Fogel. Those are type of guys that will really have to step up uh, to grind against Calgary fans, but battle of Alberta in the second round, how beautiful would that be? Fantastic. So I am giving everyone a little bit of a uh, little bit of a near end of season and playoff preview for what I think, but I will remind listeners, we will have a playoff preview show uh, and we also will have shows throughout the entirety of the playoffs up until the end. So we will talk more playoffs as we go. I just want to talk each team, each division, where I think is the best division with the pathway for the East being more difficult than the West teams that might be overachieving some teams to watch out for AK Minnesota wild lots to get into for hockey that we can go back and forth on. Please let me know what you think below of the old Eastern Western conference picture, your dark horse, your team that's overachieving the top teams that are there now, are they really going to perform in the playoffs? Will the top players perform in the playoffs? That's the big question mark. And especially if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf player or even a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, that's what you're really hoping and expecting. So at this current time of recording, the Leafs do play the Washington Capitals tonight. There is games on on deck for tonight in the National Hockey League. And the battle for home ice is kind of the more of it is in the Atlantic division. But if you look at today uh, with the National Hockey League, there's been a handful of games. Carolina's been the Islanders, Wings, Devils, Oilers, Jackets, Penguins, Flyers. The list goes on. There's a there's a lot of teams in action uh, here tonight. But in terms of playoff picture battles, the one that I'm really looking out for tonight is definitely Tampa Bay Lightning or the Florida Panthers. That's going to be a very exciting game. Uh, both teams coming off uh, games played last night. Tampa beating Nashville, Florida beating Toronto in overtime. You know, again, you had Toronto and Florida potentially second round matchup again tonight you have a Tampa Bay Lightning Florida a potential second round matchup if Tampa does play Toronto and if they beat Toronto so that's always exciting to watch uh, and in terms of a game that uh, would be big for tonight is definitely Vegas they're playing San Jose that's a big must win for Vegas and a lot of individuals that hear the show uh, may may hear this tomorrow, which would be Monday or even Tuesday, uh, but tomorrow we only have one game in action. It's the Flyers and Blackhawks. No offense. That's a toilet bowl of a game. Teams that aren't really in the playoff picture. So it gives me a little bit of room to talk about some games here tonight, which is very exciting. We don't get to do that a lot on the show. A lot of implications today. Home ice potential if the Leafs can beat the Capitals. You know, Tampa to try to get that home ice if they can beat the Panthers. You know, lots can happen here today in terms of movement Boston plays Montreal Montreal again played Ottawa last night what a tough game that was with you know Gallagher and Stutzla battle going but when you really think about it Ottawa's getting better and the Montreal Canadiens are on the after such a successful year last year not in the season but in the playoffs making the cup finals having disappointment this year that'll be a good little rivalry as Montreal kind of revamps gets back to to it and as Ottawa improves as hockey gets more forward in years, as you see, hopefully Toronto staying up, but as Tampa Bay maybe starts to come down a little bit, if they're retooling, Florida is probably going to be up there a lot more now often because they have a lot of good pieces, but the battle of Ottawa, Montreal, I think is going to really pick up. It's already started great hockey to watch, but Boston, Montreal, if you're in Montreal, I honestly want to give a little bit of the edge to the, to the Canadians here tonight. I, I feel like playing at the bell center um, in the carry price will likely not be the starter t- uh, tonight for, which would be a little bit of a hindrance if you're choosing on 
betting on bet three, six, five or points bet or anything like that. But Montreal, if you're a Leaf fan, you maybe want Boston to win, but I think Montreal, that's the game I really want to say that would be also very exciting to watch if you tune in because it's going to be a tough game and Montreal always gives good battles to Boston, Toronto teams in their division. So lots of games to get in tonight that are really big playoff implications in terms of placement, not necessarily uh, for clinching or kicking somebody out, especially in the Eastern Conference, but the West, the big game, is Vegas, San Jose. If San Jose can upset Vegas, that's going to diminish a lot of Vegas's uh, hopes for the playoffs and a lot of question marks. Now, a team that underachieved this year that I can see making a good number of movement going into the offseason, New York Islanders. I want to talk about a few teams in terms of not making the playoffs, and there's I want to circle back to Toronto before we uh, wrap up this top shelf edition. Uh, the the New York Islanders are a team that really underachieved this year. They're not going to be making the playoffs. Toronto beating them last week, eliminated them from postseason contention. A lot of optimism, right, going in for this team. They, they were one of the final four last year. They pushed the Tampa Bay Lightning right to a longer series than Montreal did. And they are not getting out into the playoffs this year. Uh, Lou Lamorello and company there with the Islanders have a great coach and Barry Trotz. I don't think they'll really have change from there unless they decide to retire. I think some pieces with the Islanders need to get moved. Uh, you know, Chara was a good veteran ads, but I think they're going to maybe look at moving out some, uh, some pieces and maybe being a little bit active this year in the off season, but they have a lot of money tied up, but that's one team that I would say this year did not live up to expectations, especially in their division. I feel like they had the room to do so watch out next year. I think the Islanders, they are always a tough team to play against. They have been the last couple of years. Look at the hits, Matt Martin, uh, color Bucky, got guys like that who can hit guys who can lay the body, finish their checks and, Tough team to play against. They are built for playoff hockey, that team. They truly are, but they're just not going to get there this year. So the biggest disappointment for me this year, yeah, is I'm not going to even say the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I'm not going to look at uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Vegas, if they don't make the playoffs, would probably be the biggest disappointment, but they haven't not, not made it yet, so I can't really officially uh, say it at, that, at this current time. Uh, looking at the West, the Blackhawks are not. The Jets, people say the Jets are a disappointment or even the stars. I, I disagree. The stars are probably going to make the playoffs right in the wild card spot. The jets got eliminated. Yeah. The jets are on the cusp of being a disappointed team. And I will briefly touch on them, but the Islanders in my, in my opinion are the biggest uh, disappointment this year because of what they achieved the last couple of years. And now they've taken a real big step back. Other teams that I'll mention, the Philadelphia Flyers briefly mentioned they had another disappointing season in Philadelphia. Had to move Giroux, bringing in Rista Line. It doesn't seem like that project's being as great as they want it to be. Kata Hart uh, has had shown some signs of improvement, which is a good optimism if you're a Flyers fan, but they have some work to do. Uh, I'm sure that they're hoping to have a top pick, but if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers, you're in a tough division still. You know, Pittsburgh's still going to be relevant next year. Uh, the Capitals, the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the Islanders, right? You're in a tough division. I think the Philadelphia Flyers should address and approach this in a cautious way where they can look at on a retooling stage more than a full-scale a full scale rebuild. They can look at ways to improve the team by moving out expiring contracts going into next at the end of next year, uh, move out some picks, move up in the draft, try to get a lot of draft picks in there, and then open up some salary cap space, which they really don't have a lot of. Van Riemsdyk, Hayes, they have a lot of money they spent on guys. Move out some of those contracts, eat up some of it if you have to, and look at rebuilding and doing some big drafts this year, next year, and even the year after. And hey, if you don't do well next year, maybe you have the first overall pick. You got a generational talent, Connor Bedard. Tank for Bedard. People don't admit that they tank, but for someone like that, they should be tanking. I feel like a team like the Philadelphia Flyers should be looking at changing offseason plans as opposed to buying players like they did with Ristolainen to look at more so selling players and getting assets in and making change, especially in the division that they're in right now. There's still a few years before they can start looking at competing again. So take that approach. Uh, again, 
We'll see what happens to the Philadelphia Flyers, but they, I think they need to look at it from that perspective. So I went with the Islanders and Flyers. The other team I want to bring up, I've already said this, the Winnipeg Jets. Paul Maurice stepping down was a big part of that team, I think, going in the transition the other way. Uh, Paul Maurice, a friend of the show, and uh, contacts with him uh, that I know, of course, he moved away for uh, those personal reasons, stepped down. He wanted a new voice on the team for Winnipeg. There could be more. Maybe there is more that I know that I'm not going to share, but the Winnipeg Jets, are, I think, really felt that loss. You know, they've battled a lot this year. And I feel like Hellebuck wasn't the Connor Hellebuck that he needed to be. And the Winnipeg Jets did underachieve. But one thing I always say about the Winnipeg Jets is they never really go out and buy. You know, they're not like aggressive on the market. And I think it's because a lot of players, maybe they do try to buy, but they're not attracted to come to the Winnipeg Jets and go into the city of Winnipeg. But it's a very passionate fan base, very passionate market. Players should be excited to play for the Winnipeg Jets. And someone like Pierre-Luc Dubois, who wanted to get to Canada, I think there was more interest in joining the Montreal Canadiens for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But So I think the Winnipeg Jets, I think they should really err on the side of a caution uh, for re-signing Pierre-Luc Dubois long-term. I feel like he will achieve and do well for you points-wise, but I feel like there's enough value there where you can look at making a trade and that trade could be maybe for next year's first if Montreal is willing to give up that, which maybe not, especially if they think it's going to be a higher pick. But this year, if Montreal doesn't have the first, second, or third pick, if they more have the fourth pick, maybe looking at doing a package deal with the Montreal Canadiens uh, to move uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois there. I think Montreal would welcome a nice big, someone who could play both center and wing. He's also f- f- French. You know, there, there, there's that advantage. There's just a lot of interest. And in I think he would really flourish uh, playing with Martin St-Louis. And yeah, you got Suzuki and Caulfield playing together, but you get Pierre-Luc Dubois in there. You can have a good one-two punch with those guys. And I really feel Pierre-Luc Dubois would flourish in Montreal. So the Winnipeg Jets, my my advice to you is to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois. Don't look at long-term. Look at getting a high draft pick and a high, maybe a good, decent prospect look at spending the money elsewhere uh, in terms of maybe if it is bringing in other talent for agency or just development of talent in your system. Cole Perfetti is coming up. you got some pieces that are coming up in Winnipeg that are exciting. Underachieved this year greatly did the Jets. Be very exciting to see what they can do going forward. I think they're a type of team, though, that can really turn it around, especially in that division. I think anything can happen in the Central Division. And after making, if you move out Pierre-Luc Dubois, you bring in another center, make some trades, do some tooling. Maybe the Jets can battle again next year, especially if they can keep the Connor Hellebuck in net and get the Connor Hellebuck that they're expecting in between the pipes, the Vesna type Connor Hellebuck. In terms of other disappointment, my last disappointment, the Vegas Golden Knights. Not a lot of injuries this year. That's obviously a big part of their flaws this year that have occurred for them. But the Vegas Golden Knights, you don't make the playoffs. Yay, yay, yay. Oof, you got some problems. You got a lot of problems. You're going to be looking at making moves that would maybe be questionable. Yeah, but I really don't think they should. I think if Vegas doesn't make the playoffs this year, you should really evaluate your health and goaltending with Robin Leonard. Your defense and contracts, the money, you're going to have to look at moving out some expensive contracts. There's uh, Marshall So, you know, Smith, if he's in or out, some guys you might have to let go, clean up that, and maybe look at signing depth options and promoting from within. But I think Vegas would be that team, though, despite looking at where they're at this year, if they make it or not. Next year, they're going to really bounce back, especially in that Pacific division that is a Flames-ran division right now and the Oilers and Kings. I think that's going to be your top four for a little bit. Vancouver might have something to say about that as they proceed forward, but it's interesting to see what they're going to do because they've done a lot of buying as well, and it might be time to maybe look at movers on that end too. So it is kind of 
a buyer's type market. If you look at some teams that might be anxious to make a little bit of moves, such as the Vancouver Canucks, so you want to look at the Philadelphia Flyers uh, to a certain extent. I wouldn't throw the Blackhawks in that conversation, but maybe, uh, you know, Arizona's always looking to make trades. So back to Vegas, though, as I don't want to get off track. Vegas, I think this year, if they don't make the playoffs, it's not going to be a lot of drastic moves that people think. They might let some people go in terms of moving out some money, but nothing drastic. They won't be doing too many signings, uh, but they'll just do some cleanup and keep the core that they have because I think they really do believe in the core that they have. And next year, maybe a full year of a healthy Jack Eichel might change the image for the Vegas Golden Knights. But disappointing teams, Vegas, the Jets, Flyers, and the Islanders are teams for me that really stick out. Now, we are talking here. This is a combined edition of the game sports show strike zone and top shelf. Yours truly David McKay leading the way with top shelf. Going to get into more. So the last topic as we're running short on time on this fantastic edition uh, of the game sports show, we love combined editions. They're a little bit lengthy. We hope that you've taken the time to uh, ensure you've listened to the full show. And I hope you definitely interact with our comments and follow us on social media. Nonetheless, the last point I want to get into, because I want to save a lot of this for an upcoming top self show or the upcoming ones with our playoff preview, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, this is one I want to get into a little bit extra because everyone knows, as I mentioned at the top of the show, who I do cheer for outside of uh, talking on the microphone. The Leafs are a team that, of course, haven't made the uh, past the first round since 2004. To note, in 2004, I was 13 years old or just turning 13 years old. I am now 30 years old. So it's been almost an additional lifetime and some change. So 17 years since I have seen the Toronto Maple Leafs get past the first round. Uh, the times that they made the conference finals, they lost the Buffalo Sabres and the Carolina Hurricanes uh, was tough. You know, you I don't know if they would have beat Detroit that year in 2002. I do think they would have had a good run against the Dallas stars though in 99 i don't care what anybody says i think they had a good team to do it then uh, again the toronto maple leafs have not been on the first round since 04 they lost to boston in miserable fashion that's typical toronto way Leaves have blown 4-1 leads continuously since 2013. They've lost, like I said, to Boston numerous times. They've lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they've lost to the Montreal Canadiens. Those are the teams that they seem to lose to, that, 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 that they have lost to, but Boston seems like the team they've lost in the first round. You can refer back to the Washington Capitals where they always got out of the first round and played Pittsburgh in the second round and were not successful, right? And... Toronto slaying the dragon. Yes, maybe slaying the dragon is beating Boston, but I think slaying the dragons is getting past the first round because yes, they lost to Boston a lot in the first round, but they've also lost to Columbus in the bubble and they've lost to, to Montreal technically in last year's playoff slash bubble format. So I think just getting out of the first round is the dragon that they have to slay. And Charles Barkley got some people that have said that this might be the year for the Toronto Maple Leafs to get out of the first round. I really think it is. I think as long, and there's a lot of what ifs for every team that's going to the first round. So I'm not just talking what ifs and that's not going to change my decision, uh, but they play the way that they can offensively. Muslin goes back on the back end to solidify some more defensive ad. That will be huge. The biggest thing, not only uh, in terms of people stepping up, but Marner, Matthews, and Campbell will be the three players that are dependable for them getting out of the first round. Campbell staying hot. Matthews and Marner actually showing up for the playoffs. They have that. They will win a first round. And when they get out of the first round, in the words of Scott Nason, our host and game sports show in the United States of America and on the 1400 AM edition, watch out if they get past the first round. That's not just me, but I couldn't agree more. Toronto gets out of the first round. But what if they don't get out of the first round? Well, I see friends of mine on Facebook that have done 
vents and rants and social media seems to be a very brave platform for everyone to talk a lot. In. And I don't say I'm disagreeing. I'm agreeing with a lot of the points that I hear for real. But one that I saw recently was that about if the Leafs don't get out of the first round, what's going to happen? Do they keep Keefe and Dubas? And then obviously their interactions were different either side. And Myself being from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, that's where Dubas is from. Obviously, he loves signing and having Greyhounds, but he was a part of the GM realm with the, with the Greyhounds. He moved up his way in Toronto. Keith was his coach uh, while he's with the Greyhounds. So there's a little bit, I would say, bias from a Sioux end there for Dubas. But taking all that away for a second, Dubas has ran this team with Lou Lamorello, and they didn't have success. And Dubas has taken over, and they haven't been successful there either. They spent a lot of money on players, Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares. Listen, Matthews is worth the money he's getting. Don't care what anybody says. He's a general or gener- generational talent. He's a hard trophy favorite. He's likely to win the Maurice Richard this year unless Leon Dreisaitl catches up in the next handful of games, which can or maybe cannot happen. Uh, right now, that Matthews contract is not the one I'm even worried about. I just, as long as he shows up in the playoffs, that's where it's a little extra. Marner's, again, guy who's led the league in points since the new year. So is 10 million really that bad? Yes, it is kind of because he hasn't showed up. He didn't have the accolades at the time, but he loves bleeding the blue and white. He's a big leaf guy. I can swallow Marners. It is John Tavares is $11 million. That's people have the, the difficulty, but the guy's actually done good in Toronto in terms of points. He's a leader and he's a franchise centerman. No matter what anybody says, this is a guy who's a top star studded talent, who's a first line talent center, and they don't come around often in free agency. And when they do, you got to pay for them. It's like defense. It's a lot like defense. They signed Tavares, they brought him in and it helped bring in other players, even on the depth side of options. So do I, do I, do I agree with that signing for Dubas in, in Toronto? No one, yes, because of the money, but the player, yes. And I remember how excited I was when they signed Tavares. So I'm not going to go that realm with talking about Dubas here. Nylander, mm, listen, career high in points this year. He's in about 70 points. For someone who's making under 70 million or 7 million bucks, you can't complain about that either. Michael Bunting's been the best gamble this year. The Morgan Riley has been loyal. Listen, the contracts that he has signed in Toronto have actually not been that bad. A lot of projects have paid off. The bunting, the cashes when he was healthy. There's another guy. Uh, some of the moves that paid off his drafting. Uh, unfortunate series of events with Rodin Amirov, prospect who's sick right now. But the least of Matthew Nyes. Uh, they, they have made some good moves as an organization. People don't factor up. But everyone wants success, right? That is the biggest thing is the measurement of success. Marner, Matthews, and guys haven't showed up in the playoffs. Tavares has when he's played. He didn't have a chance to play last year, obviously. Nylander. Played well last year's playoffs. Spencer played well. If that team can play consistent, that is this year going into the playoffs, they are going to be successful. But that is where people measure this, right? Okay, Dubas is going to get the blame because the players that he has signed. So does Dubas stick around if Toronto wins or doesn't win the first round? Well, let me answer that question for you. If Toronto does not get past the first round, will Dubas stay in Toronto? I will say yes. In previous conversations, I have said, no, better watch out. They're going to clean house. But let's look at this team. 51, 21, and 7 this year. Second in the Atlantic Division. He's brought in Giordano, which has been a great movement for the team. Matthew's having a career year. Bunting, gambling signing, uh, but it worked. Or not gambling signing, sorry. A very um, 
a very like diamond in the rough type, type signing. It was a poor man, Zach Hyman, as we was getting referred to. But look how great that signing turned out to be. I'm top rookie in points. Kasha, when he was healthy, million bucks, give him a chance. He's done well. Camp, defensive attributes are through the roof. Okay. And Jack Campbell, the only questionable move he made this offseason was Peter Morazic. And I guarantee you, I'm going to say it's around. Morazic's going to get bought out this year. Morazic's gone. Kessel's payment comes off the books. They're going to have Morazic's contract be the next bio penalty uh, that they're going to have. And they're going to have to look at another goaltender to back up Campbell. Cause I think Campbell is going to stay in Toronto. They love soup. They love him in the locker room. I don't think he's going to demand too much money. It's going to be a raise, but he can, I would say maybe three and a half would be the total salary he gets a year. Maybe it's a three year, three and a half per year type deal. I don't think he makes more than four. I wouldn't pay him more than four, but then that still gives you room to bring in a nice goaltender to back him up just in case of health reasons. And yeah, you have wool and Schalger in there, but I think you still need to solidify that. But back to Dubas, so I don't get too much off topic. The only signing that was really a disappointment was Peter Mrazek. I don't think Cassius was because he got hurt. When he guy guy got rocked in the head twice, it seems like when you have those injuries, you get hit in the head. It's like Muzzin when he got hit. Is it their fault that they got hit? No. It's not like Kasha was skating a stride and he fell on the ice and he's just, he's injured because he's getting hit. He's injured because he's getting hit in the areas that he's had issues with. But if Kasha is healthy for the playoffs, Bunting's healthy, Muzzin's healthy, and they come in and they're ready to play, then you're going to start seeing, okay, Bunting was great this year. Maybe that's where the effects to see if Bunting's a playoff player, Kasha's a playoff player. Then you can really put a cherry on top of the cake that those signings were payoff-type signings and absolutely just amazing signings. Like such, You get someone for $900,000 like Michael Bunting, he has as many points as he does, and he fits with Marner and Matthews the way he does. That's amazing. So... Kyle Dubas has made moves that have been good for the organization in terms of those depth moves uh, and the ones that are paying off. Some of them were not payoff ones because how much it costs, but they will not get rid of them if they lose in the first round. It will not happen. Shanahan, as long as he's there, will also keep Dubas. Will Shanahan get fired? No. Will Keith get fired? No. Will any of the coaches get fired? No. Look at their penalty kill and power play. Now the assistant coaches are getting fired and their faceoff percentage is great. No one's going to get fired. Not this year. Yes, they lose again the first round. That's bad. But they, I, because of the success that Dubas has actually had this year with the team uh, in the regular season and with players, MLSC has seen the money that they get and they usually want, which is big for them. Uh, and they're also seeing the talent on the ice succeed, which is big for them, which means that they're going to go to Dubas, though, and have a nice, firm conversation saying, okay, Kyle, we haven't got out of the first round again here. We're not going to threaten you, but... We need to start seeing uh, planning Stanley Cup parades, if you know what I'm saying, okay? I think that's going to be the conversation. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Would I be surprised if he got fired? No, because Toronto is measured on success. But really, you bring in a new GM, maybe you bring in a new president, then the coach is indifferent because of how they work together. So maybe you need to get a new coach. Listen, I know there's a lot of naysayers about Dubas, Shannon, and Keith, and trust me, I'm on both sides of it. I have questioned on both. But ultimately, the success of the team on the ice has been successful this upcoming year. Now, the, where it counts is the playoffs, 100%. And it's not Kyle's fault if Dubis, or sorry, if Marner and Matthews don't show up. That onus is on them and more so even on Keefe than it is on Dubis. Dubis has put together the pieces that would be a winning team. Are they as good as Florida? I don't think they are. I really, I think Florida is a step above, but playoffs, anything can happen. 
Are they better than Tampa? I think they're just as good for real. I, I think they're better than Boston. I think they're just as good as Carolina. I think they're better than New York. If you look at the Eastern Conference, Toronto is where they are rightfully in the standings. And they are arguably a favorite to get out of the East if you don't have the Florida Panthers in there. So what does that tell you? That means Dubas has built a winning team, but it hasn't been successful in the playoffs. It's been regular season success. And how much question was there about the Washington Capitals? And they made changes, they made moves, but it wasn't too many drastic moves. They made necessary moves with depth options, some management, some scouts, and they kept the core together in Washington. And look what happened. It took a lot of patience, but also that patience really paid off. Yeah, they only had the one cup where Pittsburgh's had three right? They've had multiple cups and Toronto is a team that could win multiple cups. It's hard to do that in the modern era, but will Dubas get fired? No. Will Shanahan, if anyone does get fired, someone said, Dave, someone is getting fired. Just so you know, you have to choose one. It won't be Dubas or Keefe. It would be Shanahan. And I don't know why I say Shanahan because he's the president of the team. I just feel like they would get somebody else to come in and oversee to make sure that things are getting done right. And then that new president would have a big thing to say after next year, if Dubas stays or if Dubas goes, if Toronto has success or doesn't have success. But going into the next season, there's still playoffs to be, to be played. Despite how Toronto does win or lose, first round, second, third round, whatever it may be, Dubas will not be fired. Dubas will have one more year in Toronto. Keith will have one more year in Toronto. And Shanahan will likely have one more year in Toronto as well. Dubas will not be fired. But what I need to see with this team if you're a Leaf fan, is that health, the players stepping up when it matters. But if they are not successful this year, hopefully the onus goes, looks at maybe improving a net, but building this team to be more of a playoff team, whatever that takes. Because the season, the regular season is different than playoffs. Big thing in the playoffs is defense and your bottom two lines that are big. Your top line should be great. Should be great. Look at what Toronto has, look what other teams have, but your bottom lines are really effective in the playoffs. Look at Defonte Smith-Pelly with the Washington Capitals. Look at Debris. Look at Max Talbot with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I can go back. Tyler Kennedy. Friend, fan of the show, friend of mine, Sunate of Tyler Candy. Look at the success him, Stahl, and Cook had together. Best third line, arguably, in the modern playoff era. Toronto needs to have that kind of presence in the playoffs. Marner Matthews needs to show up. Campbell needs to show up, yes. But if their third and fourth line keep playing the way they do, this team will be trouble to have. And who built that team? Kyle Dubas. They are a regular season team. People say, well, the Hounds were the same way when it was with the Hounds. All regular season minimal playoff success. Maybe that pattern is continuing, but ask me next year, if Toronto wins or doesn't get out of the first round this year, actually if Toronto wins this year, don't even ask me this question, but Toronto gets out of the first round this year. You already know my answer or doesn't get out of the first round. Rather you already know my answer. Ask me next year at this time, what I think if Dubas will be back in the 2024 season, I think you already know the answer. Dubas will return next year. Whatever happens to Toronto. Just going to let you know, let every fan Prepare for that now, and you hear it. You heard it here first on the Gain Sports Show, powered by TGEM. I want a little extra here on the top shelf, a little bit of fun. We don't have time limits when we do this recording. It's been a lengthier edition of the Gain Sports Show. I want to thank Connor for taking the time with Strike Zone again. I want to thank you, the listeners, for listening to Strike Zone, of course, this top shelf edition. A shout out to all of our sponsors with the Gain Sports Show, and a special out to TGEM. Yes, uh, the Game Entertainment and Media, the TGEM Network on YouTube. We now have a they now have an Instagram and Facebook page. 
that you can follow. And you can also check our special edition uploads on TGEM as well. So make sure you check all that out. The Game Sports Show is on Amazon, Apple, on Spotify, or on Google, or on Podbean, Podtail. We're on all the platforms. Give us a search. We are there uh, for your enjoyment. Video interview shows on YouTube, new shows on all the other platforms. If you have any comments below to talk about feedback with Strike Zone or with Top Shelf, let me know. We got into a lot. We will have an upcoming edition of Top Shelf within the next 10 days as we lead to the playoff preview for May the 2nd. Um, this actually would be less than 10 days. We would plan to have a show for Top Shelf on April the 30th or May the 1st as we lead into playoff time, actually. And then Strike Zone, as I mentioned, over the next 14 days, you can presume a Strike Zone edition to be on May the 7th or 8th, just so you can mark it down in your calendars. Next special edition upload. Um, we do not have one coming this week. We will have one coming the following week. More information will come from that uh, when we are closer to that. Whew, I need to take a breath. Maybe take a sip of a nice brew here from Northern Spirit Brewing Company as we continue the day on this Sunday. I'm going to go watch some Blue Jay baseball. That's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to watch the Blue Jay baseball. I'm going to get prepared to watch uh, the Jays, or, or sorry, the Leafs tonight against the Capitals, where hopefully they can come closer to clinching first round, uh, first round of home ice advantage in the first round, likely against Tampa Bay Lightning. Greyhounds, more action coming up uh, for the uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. Just give everyone a little back to the loop here. They play Tuesday in Guelph at 7 and Thursday at 7 in Guelph. And if necessary for game five, uh, they would be back home here in Sault Ste. Marie on Saturday, April the 30th at 7. And you will see the Game Sports Show and Game Manager Media staff there. So don't hesitate to say hello to us when you see us out. Now getting to the conclusion. Like I said, please comment below. Hopefully you have enjoyed yet another electrifying edition of the Game Sports Show. And if there's any topics you want me to get into in my next editions, please let me know. And like, please, I want to hear everyone's feedback with this. We, lots of things I got into. And yes, I went sporadic. I went all over the place. But again, so much to talk about all times. And when you have one person on, it just gets more fun because you're basically talking to yourself. Let me remind you, Keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.